Is this the dog days of summer? It's starting to feel like it a little bit, isn't it? You know, you got the kids back at school. It's feeling good, but man, it's still hot outside. But I'll tell you what, markets are still hot as well. We've had another good week. We're about to get into it. Stay tuned for this week's podcast. You're listening to Financial Insights a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Insights podcast, and we've got a a few good things to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to recap markets a little bit, and then we're going to talk about stagflation, which is something that I think not many people have heard about since, gosh, probably the late 70s. Uh, but it's starting to kind of find its way into the financial conversation and the investing conversation here recently. But first, Let's talk about markets last week. The major markets finished last week mostly higher, as really the value sectors, which is materials, industrials, and financials, led the S&P 500 index to another higher week for the average. The run in cyclicals can really be seen uh, as stemming from the prior week's better-than-expected jobs report as market participants renewed their faith in the economic recovery's momentum as the COVID-19 Delta variant cases increased worldwide. Uh, Emerging market equities finished lower on the back of continued concerns about the Chinese government's regulatory crackdown on Chinese firms. But in the face of worse and worse Delta variant headlines, it was interesting to see cyclicals strong once again last week. Uh, and it really could be another clue that the economy is actually on firm ground and some of the con- those continuing worries about the economy could be a little bit overblown. The S&P 500 was up a little bit more than seven-tenths of a percent last week. Dow Jones was up 0.87 or nearly nine-tenths of a percent. Uh, last week. The NASDAQ was just down by a hair. And the Russell 2000, which we've talked about before, is the small companies or small caps, uh, down a little bit more than a percent. Not a surprise because that tends to be a little bit more of a volatile index. Let's talk economics here for a second. Uh, Inflation was in focus last week as both July's Consumer Price Index, or CPI, and the Producer Price Index were announced. The headline CPI increased half a percent month over month, while core CPI, which strips out volatile food and energy components, increased at three-tenths of a percent. So as expected, the temporary drivers of higher prices in previous months have slowed. Uh, Now, July producer prices increased a percent month over month, which was actually more than expected. Yet they, they matched June's increase. And so most of the increase was concentrated in services such as passenger fares and hotel rooms, things that are bouncing back. Other highlights from last week, last week's economic calendar includes unemployment claims improved for a second straight week. Initial unemployment came, claims met, met expectations while continuing claims fell below 3 million for the second straight week. The National Federation of Independent Business, or the NFIB, Small Business Optimism Index, declined in July. Owners' sales expectations, better business outlook conditions, and earnings trends all declined in the July survey. In fact, almost 50% of owners raised their average selling prices. Also, in, in this week, this past week's blogs, we touched on how hiring conditions have been challenging. In the latest NFIB report, almost 50% of owners reported job openings that could not be filled 
which get this, is a 48-year high. That's huge. I mean, they, we all know it's tough for these businesses to find labor. Anywhere you go has a help wanted sign on the door, but a 48-year high is something else. And then finally, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment uh, Index declined over 10 points month over month to its lowest reading since December 2011. And why is that? Well, it's because concerns continue to grow about the Delta variant spread as well as the economic outlook. And so that has kind of caused consumer sentiment to take a little bit of a beating. Okay, with the economic update out of the way, let's talk a little bit about stagflation and really why stagflation isn't in the cards. You may, if you're listening to this, you may have never heard of the term stagflation, although some people of a certain vintage may be familiar with it. The the term stagflation has been increasingly circulating in the financial media as inflation readings have risen sharply in recent months. The term's often associated with the, ni- in, with the 1970s, which saw runaway inflation, largely bit driven by sky-high energy prices, and lackluster economic growth. Uh, One way to gauge stagflation is to calculate what's commonly referred to as the misery index, which is inflation plus unemployment. I'll link to the LP, one of the LPL charts of the day from last week that shows the misery index and the misery index today is nowhere near the extreme levels of the 1970s. In fact, not only that, the level of misery is near long-term average of about 10 despite the highest inflation readings we've seen in over a decade. So we expect inflation to soon begin to ease and the unemployment rate to continue its steady decline over over at least the next year, which should bring the misery measure well below its long-term average and put an end to the stagflation fears that have been bubbling up recently. The bottom line here is that we really don't think that the current environment is anything like the stagflation experiences of the 1970s. I think much of the elevated inflation readings we're seeing now are temporary or transitory, as the Federal Reserve has said, and really related to pandemic bottlenecks and material shortages. Meanwhile, the economic reopening and massive stimulus should provide a strong one-two punch to keep economic growth well above average through 2022. Now, With that said, after the boost from the reopening and stimulus passed, the U.S. economy might resume its pre-pandemic growth trend in the neighborhood of about 2% real GDP or gross domestic product. That kind of growth is, is what we have become used to over the last decade or so. In fact, Bloomberg's survey of economists points to just 2.3 real GDP growth in 2023 after 4.2% next year. So given the limited population growth in the U.S., Demographic headwinds as baby boomers retire, low immigration rates, and the opportunity for stronger growth might be a little bit limited for those reasons. The other way to drive higher economic growth is through productivity enhancements, which may also be tough to come by after all the technology spending and efficiency improvements undertaken by corporate America during the pandemic. Slower growth isn't necessarily a bad thing. It it tends to keep inflation at bay, which can limit increases in interest rates, but it might mean slower earnings growth and potentially lower stock returns over the next several years. I think that's something we, those lower rates of growth, the plow horse economy, not the racehorse economy is something we became accustomed to over the last decade. So for the short to intermediate term, I think we can remain comfortable saying staying with equities and being overweight equities relative to fixed income is in a bad place to be. The economic growth and profit environment looks very favorable for the rest of this year and into early 2022. 
And with that in mind, we don't really expect a whole lot from the bond market to eke out in terms of returns, I, though there is a place for bonds in terms of mitigating downside risk and, and reducing the volatility and the roller coaster ride you can be on uh, while you're investing. So clearly there are risks in terms of the Delta variant. We've covered that in blog posts and podcasts in the past. China's regulatory crackdown and slowing growth is also a concern. And the other thing at play here is that our benign view of inflation could be wrong, and the Federal Reserve could make a policy mistake, which could cause interest rates to serve, surge. I, I don't think that's our view at this point, but it certainly is in the realm of possibility and something that we can't entirely, entirely discount. So inflation has been the subject of boy, lots of these podcasts, but it's important because inflation, and especially inflation surprises, could cause the Federal Reserve to need to raise interest rates, which could really weigh on bonds and create some volatility in stocks. And I think that's really why investors are watching what's going on with inflation and growth in the Federal Reserve so very closely. If you have questions about how inflation or rising interest rates affect your portfolio, give us a call or email us. You can email us at info at FordFG.com. You can find us on the web at www.FordFG.com. My name is Brian Ullman. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking to you in the next one. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.